0: The Golf and Filtered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got top tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more. Such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to Coghillgolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, Coghillgolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Happy July 4th if you are listening to this on that holiday or even a little bit later in the week. I hope everyone has a safe, long, hopefully golf filled weekend. And this week, I'm going to dive into the first of what might be many parts regarding my rereading. That's a fun word to say my rereading of Ben Hogan's five lessons, The Modern Fundamentals of Golf. And I'm going to try to do that in audio form. I thought about putting this up on YouTube, but. I want to talk through this a little bit more, kind of just freewheeling it, because I've read this book many times. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably read this many times as well. And I kind of, like I've said before on Twitter, if you follow me at Golf Unfiltered, every time I read this short book, I learn something new. And so my intent here today is to go through in depth my perceptions and, and what I have learned regarding the first of Ben Hogan's five lessons as it pertains to the golf grip. Now, having said that, I understand that this might not lend itself perfectly to an audio format because obviously you need to see what I'm talking about. So here's what I would ask of you. If you're listening to this episode, find a golf club and listen to this episode with that golf club in your hands, even if it's... Just sitting at your desk at home, or if you're in the garage, or wherever you happen to listen to this, don't do it while you're driving. Please don't do that. But I am going to sit here, record this episode. I've got a golf club next to me, and I'm going to kind of walk through it, like I said, just this open ended, freewheeling brainstorm, so to speak, as I walk through what I have learned reading Ben Hogan's five lessons as it pertains to the golf grip. Okay, so let's just make that promise to one another, or at least let's make that deal. I may do some YouTube videos on this in the future, undecided, quite frankly. But let's get going with part one. If you're new to the game and you've not heard of Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, The Modern Fundamentals of Golf, it's a book that he co-wrote with another well-known writer, Herbert Warren Wind. And... It's gone through multiple volumes or multiple releases, different formats, and you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on your Kindle. I actually own it on Kindle as well, but sometimes you just need the physical book, and I'm actually holding it right now as I say that. It was originally published in 1957, and it's not a very long book. Now, of course, depending on the edition that you're reading, the one I have in my hands right now is only 109 pages. So it's a brief read. You could easily get through this in a day, half of a day depending on your reading speed. The manner in which this book was meant to be digested is really more of a manual. And so if you know anyone that owns this book, chances are it's marked up, it's highlighted, things are underlined. There may even be some some uh, pages that are earmarked, you know, People dig into this for a lot of reasons. Now, remember, I said this was published in 1957. A lot of what Ben Hogan writes in his five lessons still holds true today. And I bet if you were to go and ask your local golf pro or anyone that provides golf lessons, they will say that this was one of the foundational books that they read when deciding to become a golf professional, especially a teaching professional. Now, the first of Ben Hogan's five lessons focuses on the golf grip, and Hogan felt that the golf grip was such an important aspect of the golf swing that he spent 19 of those 109 pages describing his golf grip. That's a pretty considerable amount, considering there are four other lessons that he goes into and we'll talk about in future episodes. What's so alluring, at least to me, about Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, the The book itself is illustrated beautifully. It's extremely well done so that you could follow along precisely with the words that, admittedly, Hogan gets a little detailed and perhaps a little wordy. I know that quite well. I, I do that often myself. Many of you are probably laughing and rolling your eyes if you've listened to me uh, more than once. Now, when Hogan talks about the golf grip, and of course, if you don't know, Ben Hogan was a right-handed golfer, everything is written in a way that could apply to whatever handedness you are, right or left-handed. And one of the prevailing themes that Hogan talks about within his discussion of the golf grip is pressure, where the pressure points are in your hands and what you should be feeling when you're making a golf swing, or even prior to that, when you're just placing your hands on the golf grip. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was learning the game of golf, back when I was 13 years old, I was also playing baseball, you know, Little League. And I remember being told that golf was the exact opposite of everything I had learned about how to swing a baseball bat. Of course, over the course of many years, and now, you know, in my adulthood... I know that there are many more similarities between a golf swing and a baseball bat swing than there are differences. But at the time, it was this brand new thing to me. I had to hold the golf club weird. I had to interlock fingers because, of course, my dad was a huge Jack Nicklaus fan, and Jack interlocked his fingers. So that's what I was going to learn. And one of the things that really never clicked for me earlier on was how are my hands supposed to move like one unit? That that didn't make sense to me. You know, And it, just imagine being a 13-year-old kid being told that. It's like, yeah, obviously they have to move the same because they're both holding the same object. And of course, as golfers now, we understand the importance of both hands moving as one with similar amounts of pressure in both. It's no mistake why Hogan goes into the grip, of course, as his first lesson. And that's because that is the only thing that connects us to the golf club. This is all obvious. But as I reread Hogan's five lessons, I always go back to this this concept of pressure and which fingers on your hands actually hold the golf club. And as Hogan describes, at least with the left hand, I always have to double-check myself where I've got that golf grip going through my palm. And it's important to say that it's in the palm because that's what Hogan describes for the left hand. Now, I should just do a quick preface here. I'm not going to go into in-depth detail about everything that Hogan says in the book because I do want you to go and read the book, So, but I, but I do need to go a little Um uh, but by no means will this this podcast episode serve as a replacement for actually reading his words himself. Uh, itself. So take that for what it's worth. Okay, back on track. With the left hand, and if you want to pick up that golf club now, as I'm going to do on my end, Hogan describes for a right-handed player the pressure points to be on the left index finger, just on what would be considered the inside of the left index finger. And the grip traveling across the palm and being leveraged by the meaty part of the palm on your left hand. So, Hogan also describes you should be able to, as I'm doing right now, support the entire weight of the golf club with those two pressure points in your left hand. You should be able to pick it up and move it around freely. That's a good test. Now, I focus on that so much because that is an element of holding a golf club that I get incorrect, I would say, 75% of the time, and I'll tell you why. I have heard so many things regarding where this golf club should be in your left hand. I've heard it should only be in the fingers. I've heard that it should be entirely in the palm, almost like you're holding a tennis racket. It's actually somewhere between the two. That's how I like to think of it. Because you still need that pressure point in the fingers, but the strength and sturdiness of the palm to control that golf club. Now, you know, who the hell am I? But in my opinion, I feel that this is the most important element of the golf swing. It's it's the the sturdiness, as I described, of that left hand for a right-handed player. When I'm playing my best golf, I am focusing on almost backhanding the golf ball with my left hand. In fact, we all could picture Brent Snedeker, I think, as someone who does this quite well, where he takes his right index finger off of the grip when he's swinging. And I'll get to the right hand here in a second. But that just accentuates the importance of the left hand. Now, I don't know why I get away from that. Like I, I will literally stop thinking of that swing thought, and then I'll play bad golf, and then I remind myself, damn it, why, why am I not going back to that? But that's kind of like the, the home base for me when I'm trying to really reevaluate my golf swing and at least reset it is probably a better word. Now, speaking about the right hand, once you have your left hand on the golf grip appropriately and it's comfortable for you. The right hand then naturally, as Hogan describes, folds over and runs parallel to your left hand. One of the other things that I often get myself screwed up with is almost crisscrossing where I have my hands on the golf grip. And what I mean by that, they're not exactly parallel. So if you were listening to this, and what I mean by parallel is if you were to, and and pardon the the analogy here, but if you were to hold your hands together, like in prayer or something, that is what I mean by parallel. So I'm, I'm describing that as perfectly parallel to one another. It's almost like you have to place your, your hands on the golf club in a similar fashion. You can't have one that's overly turned than the other, you know, they have to be synchronous and Hogan goes into much better and probably more clear detail in his book on that point. Now, as somebody who struggles a lot with flipping at the golf ball, that's some that's a swing flaw that I've always had to work on. I've talked about it on the show many times. The the pressure and where the golf club feels in your right hand is so important for me to remember in order to swing the ball or swing the club rather correctly. You've probably heard of This idea that the only two fingers on your right hand that should really control the golf club with that hand is your middle finger on the right hand as well as your ring finger. Those two, if you were to take off your pinky, index finger, and thumb, it shouldn't matter in theory. Now, of course, depending on the size and strength of your hands, it's going to differ from one golfer to the next. I don't have huge hands. Um, I, I would guess they're average. I don't know. Um, But I can still do that. And again, I'm holding the golf club here by me. I've got my left hand on the way I described earlier. And then I am just supporting the golf club entirely with essentially the index finger of my left hand, the palm of my left hand, and then the two fingers that I described, the middle and ring on my right hand. I can make a golf swing with that. And then, as Hogan describes, the final part of the actual placement in relation to your left hand is kind of wrapping your right hand over your left thumb. Now, Hogan does go into greater detail about the position of the thumb, or thumbs, actually. I won't do that here, it's because I believe it's more a matter of preference for you. You know, I've seen some players do really well with that left thumb completely, you know, just running down the middle of the grip. I like to have my left thumb turned a little bit more. But it's entirely up to you. Regardless, the point is, wherever you have your left hand, I believe, and Hogan, at least my interpretation of what Hogan says in his five lessons, your right hand has to mirror that left hand. So taking a step away from the text and into what I experience on the golf course or at the driving range for that matter. When my grip is messed up or when my hands aren't in the right position or I've got the pressure points in my hands, you know, things just aren't right. And I may not even realize it. I can tell just by my ball flight. And I can also tell by the wear patterns on my golf glove or the calluses on my hands. That's the, the telltale sign that I believe so many golfers of our caliber, or, or any caliber for that matter, I mean, I'm a I'm an eight handicap at the time of this recording, that's the sign that anyone, we just have to look at our hands, and we can tell if we're doing something incorrectly or not. And yet, it's it's the one thing that, at least in my experience, I ignore the most. I don't remember to do that. And... Golf is a weird game, and I'm sure that other sports are like this too, but specifically golf, where it's almost like the answers are right in front of you the entire time. I, I bet some of you listening to this can relate to that. For example, if you're looking at your golf glove and you've got a wear pattern, really that is anything more than just a little bit of a wear pattern, then that means the grip is moving in your hand during during your swing. And you don't have a strong enough grip. That's just one example. There are many others like it. The same is also true on your right hand. If the calluses in your hand are not forming in your fingers, for example, which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this explicitly before, but Hogan says you just, the grip is in the fingers. There is no palm action. (laughs) There's no palm action uh, with the right hand. Uh, with the golf grip so understanding that and then going back to the text and this gets back to my point of I'm always reminded of things that I that I've forgotten and I don't understand why I always forget them when I reread this this book those are some of the big ones now why did I even decide to start digging into Hogan's five lessons again well I was struggling a little bit with my game of course and This year, at least, I'm helping a few family friends, basically my two brothers-in-law, to learn the game. And they've never really played. And so, I don't know if anyone listening to this has had this same experience where you're teaching someone the game for the first time. And you're going through your fundamentals that you have learned and you have seen work for you. And then all of a sudden, you start to play a little bit better. Does that ring true to you? I bet it does. I bet there's a couple of you saying, yeah, you know what? That I've seen that too. Well, I could definitely say that that holds true for me. As I'm describing the golf grip, even now, talking into this microphone, as I'm describing the golf grip, I'm looking at my own hands on this golf club I have here in my office. I'm realizing, you know what? This feels better than what I had been doing previously. And while this book is only 109 pages long, and Hogan spends 19 of those pages on the grip, I feel that experiences like what I just described, teaching others, reminding yourself of how to place your hands on the golf club, It it almost extends this book into a mountain of more pages. And that might be a little heavy-handed. <laughs> I understand how that sounds. But it's true, at least in my experience, it is. Now, Hogan goes into much more detail uh, about the grip, obviously, uh, with 19 pages being spent on it. I won't go into too much more here because he also then uh, very nicely transitions into his future lessons, which we will talk about in future episodes uh, here on this podcast. But those elements of finger pressure, how the club feels in your hands the palms uh, or the hands mirroring one another in parallel. These are all core, core, core fundamentals that any golfer, regardless if you're a right-handed, left-handed, scratch golfer, high handicapper, no matter what, you need to continue to remind yourself. Do it once a year. Do it multiple times a year. But at the very least, pick up a addition. A, it doesn't matter. I think I don't think it's changed much. You know, I, this is a a newer edition that I got off of Amazon recently. Um, Simon & Schuster does this one. And, and you know, look, I'm not sponsored by any means, but this is just a book that every golfer should read and love and study and go back to many times like I have. Because you're going to learn something new every single time. So that's the golf grip. That is Hogan's first lesson. Let me know your thoughts about this. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you have... Uh, in-depth knowledge. Uh, perhaps you're a golf professional yourself. You're a teaching professional. You, you uh, talk about Ben Hogan with your students. Christo Garcia uh, of My Swing Evolution. You've heard me talk about him before. He's been on the show many times in the past. He's got a great YouTube channel where he talks everything about Ben Hogan. He goes much more in-depth about Hogan, his five lessons, everything about his golf swing. I highly recommend going to do that. But if you are a golf professional who subscribes to Hogan's fundamentals, you teach them, let me know if you want to come on the show. Let me know, I'd love to have you. I want to make this more of a a serial type thing that we'll kind of dive back in and out of every so often. If you've been a long-time listener of this podcast, you know that we like to sprinkle in all sorts of different topics and there's really no it's just organized chaos here at Golf Unfiltered. <laughs> and that's the way I like it, damn it. And that's the way it's always going to be. Um, but please Open invitation. I'm happy to have you on and we can talk through it because uh, stuff like this, it gets me re-excited about the game. It's something that we can talk about regardless of where the professional golf is or the status of your game or whatever else is going on in the world. It's just going back, as is in the subtitle of the book, to the fundamentals of golf. Absolutely love it. So that's just a quick episode this week. Let me know your thoughts if you liked what this was. We'll go into future lessons uh, in future episodes, as I keep saying. Reach out to me, Adam, at golfunfiltered.com via email. You could reach me on social media at golfunfiltered. And uh yeah, that's all gonna that's gonna be it for this week. So thanks so much for listening, as always. Uh play good golf, folks. Go out there, enjoy yourselves, be kind to one another. We need to do that these days. Be kind to one another. It's hard out there. Everyone's stressed out. Everyone's got opinions on everything, myself included. You, you guys know that. But we just have to be nice to one another. I know that sounds like the most fundamental thing, and we've been saying the word "fundamental" so much in this episode today. But for crying out loud, just be nice to one another. And I believe that things fall into place after that, despite our differences. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.